To learn more about The Church at West Gantt, visit us at www.thechurchatwg.com or visit our Facebook page, and we would love to connect with you. Have a great day. Our kiddos are going to head upstairs today, and if you're staying in the room with me, flip your Bible open to Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1, and uh, we will jump right in. Do, do, do. There we go. Over the past couple of weeks, we have been diving into a new series called God's Story, and I got to open that series up with you a few weeks ago with the idea that God is at the center of his story, that we are not uh, the centerpiece. You and I are not the subject of God's story. He is. Uh, And that even before creation, God was holy, God was righteous, God had everything he needed, uh, and the fact that he made creation does not change the fact that he was, uh, or doesn't speak to the fact that he was lacking something and needed to create to fulfill that need. But rather, God was complete, he was holy, he was righteous all on his own without us. Uh, The fact that God chose to make us is simply a display of his love, he chose to create a group of people to pour his love out onto. And then last week, um, very much appreciative for having a teaching team at this point, some guys who can uh, step up here and and preach and communicate God's word. Last week, uh, Wes had the ability to lead us through the next portion of that, uh, which was the first six days of creation, uh, and looking at the story of what God built uh, during that time. Uh, And uh, just a note, by the way, on the the reason I wasn't here last week, we were on the marriage retreat. We had nine couples from our church between our English and Spanish services uh, that went to uh, Pigeon Forge and spent a couple days in some cabins up there talking over marriage. And uh, man, it was incredible. Uh, We had a great time uh, and definitely heard just a lot of great testimonies coming back. Um, I got to meet with Antonio uh, on Monday in our staff meeting. I was asking him a little bit about their side of things because he led the Spanish sessions. And I said, how did everything go on the Spanish side? And he was like, it was great. Uh, In fact, all the couples who went said they had two requests for next year uh, when we do it again. Uh, They wanted to stay longer and they wanted more teaching sessions. And I went, what? Um, The stay longer part I get, but more teaching sessions, you don't hear that very often from people that they're just hungry to hear more. And so I was excited uh, about that and just hearing all the great things that came out of that. Um, I know that our English couples, uh, Lindsay and I were blessed uh, to be there with a couple of our our English speaking couples and to walk through some scripture with them and uh, just a great time. So uh, thank you for allowing me the opportunity to be gone for that. It It was a great investment. Uh, But while we were gone, you guys talked through the first six days of creation. Uh, This morning, I want to pick up on the tail end of that. We're going to, just to keep us in in track of where we're at in this series, we're we're breaking the story of Scripture, all 66 books of the Bible, we're breaking them up into four major headings. Uh, We're looking at creation first and talking about how God uh, created what he put in place, why he put it in place. Uh, then we're going to look at the fall where, where we took what God created and we messed it up. <laughs> and we're going to look at the effects of that fall throughout the book of Genesis. Uh, then we're going to look at God's redemptive work. That'll be kind of section three as we look at how God chose not to leave us in that brokenness, but to begin to redeem and bring us out of it. And we're going to follow that piece all the way through the prophets. Uh, then we're going to get to Jesus's work and talk about his redemptive work. 
Uh, and then lastly, we're going to get to the book of Revelation, and we're going to talk about the full restoration of God's kingdom. So we talk about creation, the fall, redemption, and restoration. This morning, we're going to wrap up the topic of creation, because next week, we're going to get into the fall. But this morning, if you've got your Bible with you, I'd encourage you to have it open in front of you to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to pick up in verse uh, 26. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. This morning, I want to zoom in a little bit into the story of man. I want to zoom in a little bit beyond just uh, God uh, speaking the universe into existence and filling it. And, and I think Wes had three F's last week. Uh, let's see if I can remember them all. Fill. Nope, not going to happen. Fill. What was it? Form and fill. And finish. There we go. Form, fill, and finish uh, were his three F's from last week. And so we're going to take those three F's and we're going to kind of zoom into one part of the creation story this morning because I want you to see some important things about what God did with us, mankind, uh, back when creation happened, but also how that applies to us thousands of years later sitting inside this building this morning. So let's look together. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 begins this way. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens uh, and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. Uh, you shall have them for food. Uh, and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so, and God saw everything, the scope of all that he had done in six days. God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. I want to pick up with you this morning with the idea of God's purpose for us, but I want to pray over the reading of God's word first. Let's pray together. Father God, we are grateful for all that you do in our lives, and we come before you this morning turning the glory, honor, and praise back to you, God. We thank you for your word this morning and how it teaches and instructs and how, Father, you're the same God today as you were thousands of years ago when you placed Adam and Eve into a garden. You created them in your likeness, and you placed them with purpose. And so, God, we know that if you're the same God placing that, uh, that couple into a garden with purpose, God, if you're that same God today as you were then, Father, we know that you have placed us with purpose as well. So, God, as we seek to find that this morning, as we search through the pages of Scripture, as we dive into what you have for us today, God, we pray that you would speak clearly to us. God, we pray that there would be no confusion over the reading of your word, but, Father, that we would find truth, that we would understand it, and we would apply it. God, if there's anything in us that doesn't line up with this word, I, I pray, Father, that we would bend to your will and your words and not try to bend it towards ours. God, may we humbly submit ourselves to who you are today and who you're calling us to be. We love you. We praise you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Genesis chapter 1, 
speaks of this amazing season of history. As God begins something new and he literally breathes out and things happen. He speaks and just new things begin to form. One of my favorite books that I've ever read is um, the Chronicles of Narnia series. And uh, it, actually, if you back up from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and read the, the very first book in that series, there is a beautiful depiction of Narnia being created. And if you don't know about that book series, you should. C.S. Lewis was a Christian author, and he wrote this book series to mirror what happens in Scripture, but he created his own world with his own characters that could be kind of an analogy or an allegory of what uh, Scripture teaches us about God. And so there's this lion character who is said to be God throughout this book series. And uh, when we first walk into Narnia for the first time in the first book, they walk in and it is a formless world. And, and, and this lion walks in and it literally says that he begins, it's almost like a song, he begins to sing this song or speak these words that even these little kids who are in this story, they can't understand necessarily what he's saying, but they just hear it. And, and it literally gives this picture that as Aslan, this, this lion, as he's walking across this formless world, breathing and speaking, all of a sudden these things just begin to come up out of the dirt. These trees form and these animals, and then he, he collects some of these animals together, and he, he gives them the ability to talk and speak, and, and he gives them a special purpose to do with their time there in Narnia. But it is a beautiful, if you've never read the Chronicles of Narnia, don't start with The Lion and the Witch in the Wardrobe. That's where everybody goes. Back up a book or two and find that first one because it is a beautiful picture of where Narnia comes from. But it's also a beautiful picture of how I believe God spoke this world into existence. It's this idea that as God thought, he spoke. And as he spoke, things just happened. I've never seen that before. I've never seen anybody just say, hey, I want a cow. And boom, psh, there's a cow. I've never seen that. That would be super cool. Hope apparently wants a cow. Zach, congratulations. That's your new pet. Um, if you could get the ability to just speak and a cow appear for your wife, she would apparently melt over that because as soon as I said cow, y'all should have seen her face. She went. <laughs> God spoke and these things happened. It's an amazing picture. How powerful and majestic of a God do we serve that, that when he says something, it just, the universe responds. And not with hesitation or not without uh, just you know, walking in fear, but they, they, it just does it. God says light and boom, there's light. God says waters and boom, there's waters. God says fill it with animals and plant life and boom, there are animals and plant life. It's an amazing picture of God's power. And in those first five days, we get a really just amazing view of that. But on the sixth day, we really see God do something even more amazing. Because God had been creating already all of these things. In fact, if you backed up, I don't have time this morning to show you all these references, but it's all in Genesis 1. You don't have to go far. But if you backed up and read through that chapter again, what you'll find is you'll find that when he creates, he says, man, they're going to reproduce after their own kind. So he says, I'm going to make a cow, and that cow is going to reproduce after its own kind. And he creates these plants, and these plants are going to reproduce after their own kind. And we see this pattern over and over again of God speaking these things into existence, and they reproduce after themselves. 
But when God gets to the creation of mankind, he changes up the pattern, and it goes from after their own kind, he switches it to we're gonna make man in our image. Don't let that fall softly on your ears. You need to let that crash down to the deepest parts of your heart. You were not created after something else. You weren't created or placed in this world as a mirror of your forefathers or your parents and grandparents and long before you. We like to think that way. We put that in terms of science and we think about genetics and all of these things and I go, yep, that's true. I'm, I am short because both of my grandfathers were short. All right, God bless them, all right? I have big earlobes. I still don't know where the big earlobes came from. I can't find that gene in my family. My wife makes fun of me for them all the time. We were riding in a boat the other day and my earlobes were flapping in the wind and she just looked over at me and just starts laughing. I don't know where the big earlobes came from, but I guarantee you somebody in my family in years past had some big earlobes. But that is not who I was created to be like. God says, I created man in my own image. Understand this morning that you didn't come into this world created to be like anyone else. You came into this world to be like God, to mirror his character and to display to the world who God is. You came into this world with a past and a history behind you, but that past and that history behind you does not define who you are in this world today, and that should be an amen hallelujah for a lot of people in this room because many of us have previous generations that we're not just super proud of. <laughs> and you weren't created and placed in this world forced to follow after their pattern. You were placed in this world after a different pattern, the pattern of God. You were placed with his image, his character, and we've been asked to display that to a world around us. So this morning, maybe you walked in and you've got this past lingering over you. You've got previous generations that you're not proud of. You've got things that have happened in your family that you're just embarrassed to talk about. You've let that maybe define you for a little while. Break out of that for a moment and understand that that is not something that defines who you are today. You were made and created in the image of God. But that's side sermon. Let's keep going for just a second. He says in verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Understand that when things get said in scripture, if you've been in church any amount of time, you've heard this. When things get said twice, you need to perk up and listen. It's important. God says twice, we're gonna create these people in our own image. Male and female, he created them. This morning, I wanna talk to you about your purpose in this world. When God created Adam and Eve, one of the first purposes he gave them was to reflect his image. That purpose has not changed for thousands of years. You and I are still to reflect the character and the nature of God to people around us. We are to reflect his image to everyone who will listen. 
But it's not just the image of God that we reflect, it is also the patterns of God that we reflect. In fact, if we were to skip forward just one chapter, we would find day seven at the beginning of chapter two. And we all know, hopefully, that day seven is the day of rest. It is when God completed his creation and he, he stopped and he said, it is now that I will take a rest from what I've done. But then he asks these humans that he's created, he begins to give them laws and commands. And one of the laws that trickles down throughout the course of history is that we are to follow that pattern. We work and we labor for six days, but on the seventh day, we rest. Why? It's not just so you can get an extra hour of sleep. It's so that you can reflect the glory and the patterns of God to those around you. That's why this gathering is so important and why it's so important that we don't forsake that day for other things, why we don't give it up and walk away from it to go do other stuff because we're to reflect the pattern that God gave us. We labor and we toil for six days, but on that seventh day, we stop and we turn the glory back to God and we display to everyone around us that we only need to do in six days what everyone else needs seven days to do. Because we have a God who does that with us. I work for Chick-fil-A, you guys know that, and we all know one of the big standards about Chick-fil-A. Sorry, I'm gonna put this on you, you're gonna get really hungry, all right? But uh, Chick-fil-A is closed today, I'm sorry, to break your, your expectations. You got that taste for chicken nuggets or a chicken sandwich or a spicy filet. Uh, you got that in your mouth at this point. I'm making you even more hungry talking about it. All right, those waffle fries, nice and crispy. Mmm, gotta wait on it till tomorrow. Why? Because Chick-fil-A's not open today. When I went to work for Chick-fil-A, I understood that it was a Christian company and, and that they were based on Christian values. And so I, I studied a little bit about this family, Truett Cathy, who founded it and why he did these things that he did. But, but here's what's incredible about this Chick-fil-A company. What is powerful about what they do is that they made a decision very early on that they were gonna reflect God's pattern to the world around them. And so on the Sabbath day, on Sunday for us, they were gonna take a break from their labor and they were gonna allow all of their employees the opportunity to worship and to observe a, to observe a Sabbath rest. And Chick-fil-A has well outdone in six days what most companies can't do in seven. Why? because they have reflected the pattern of God. You feel too busy to take a day off. Maybe you're not reflecting the character of God as well as you should in six days. Remember that today is a day, and I know I'm preaching to the choir because y'all are all here this morning. So those of you on the live stream, I'm just kidding, I'm just picking. But we should reflect God's patterns. We should show the world what it looks like to labor hard and to give it all we've got to create and to do things and to, to use our hands and the, the talents that God has given us to, to, to build things and to do amazing things. We gotta do all of that. But on the seventh day, God rested and he says to his people, follow my pattern. Give me the glory on that seventh day and let people see that I can do more in six days than what they can do in seven. We've gotta reflect the character of God. We've gotta live into these things, this image that God has given us. We've gotta bear it. We've gotta show it. We've gotta be willing to sacrifice a little bit to make that happen. I always wondered what would have happened if God would have created a seventh day or been creating on the seventh day. I wonder what God would have spoken into existence on that day. I wonder what new animals he would have come up with. 
for new things that we've never heard of or can't even imagine. God could have done that. God could have done more. But he knew he was done. He knew he had done what he needed to do, and so he stopped. Many of us come to Sundays, and we got just a few more things on our checklist, things we got to get done. Maybe you need to set that checklist aside for a minute and just turn the glory back to God. I guarantee you he'll use your six days more productively. But it's not just about reflecting God's glory. He gives them another command. Let's look at verse 28. He says, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves. I want to break this into two separate commands here. Commandment number one, be fruitful and multiply, the one we all love to use. Be fruitful and multiply. God gave a command to Adam and Eve, you've got to fill this earth. What purpose did he give to Adam and Eve? He said, hey, listen, you gotta bear my image. You gotta reflect my patterns to the world around you, but you can't reflect something to someone that doesn't exist yet, so fill it up with people. And he gives them this command, hey, go have some kids. Make it happen. And I wanna ask the question, what happens to that command when we get to the year 2023 with the church at West Gantt sitting in this congregation? The command is still the same, be fruitful and multiply, but there are now two parts to this command, not just one. See, the command to Adam and Eve was be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, birth rate alone. That still is our command. I heard an interesting study years ago uh, that talked about the decline of Christianity. Did you know that Christianity uh, is, is set for extinction within about three or four generations by birth rate alone? Why? Because we've communicated to families and to couples that children are a burden and so they stopped having them. But other religions don't do that. Other religions such as Islam and Buddhism and all this, they actually celebrate the birth of children and so they're having five, six kids per family where we've got the American Christian family that hesitates at the idea of having two. And so what happens? Well, the Islamic family and the, the Buddhist family, they, they raise up a whole generation within their home and they're, they're discipling their kids and they're encouraging them to follow this faith. And so into the next generation, there are five going into that next generation where we have two being raised up in Christian homes. By birth rate alone, we are in decline. God says, be fruitful and multiply. Have some kids. Duncan and Hannah next year. All right, yeah, go. <laughs> Sorry, that was awkward. My fault. <laughs> be fruitful and multiply. But I said it's, it's two parts for us now because that was the command to Adam and Eve. When, when we get to the New Testament, there is now a, an addition to that that is made to us. It, it's not just be fruitful and multiply, have kids. But it is now this idea of be fruitful and multiply. Go, therefore, into all the world and make disciples, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded them, baptizing them, and, and, and do it with my name on it. And lo, I'm with you always until the ends of the earth. What is that? That's the great commission. God says, hey, it's not just about filling the earth with kids anymore. It's about filling the earth with disciples. That purpose has not shifted. God still desires that we would fill this earth and he wants us to fill it with people who are gonna turn the praise, honor, and glory back to him. Why? Because he's at the center of his story. 
We devote our lives, or we should devote our lives, to filling the earth with people who give God the glory. We proclaim and we preach and we teach. We have coffee house conversations and living room conversations of, of faith and, and what we're doing and how we're following God. And we, we draw people to Jesus and we, we display through how we reflect his glory. We, we show them his image. We, we follow his patterns with the hope that we draw other people in and we create disciples and we fill this earth with people who will give God glory. And if we refuse to do that with the purpose that God has given us, if we refuse to follow that purpose, God is very clear about what will happen. Is it that God won't get glory? No. It's that the rocks will cry out in our place. See, God's at the center of his story. He's gonna get the glory one way or the other. It's not about me and you. God will be praised one way or the other. The question is whether or not it's gonna be a rock or if it's gonna be you. We've gotta be a people who fill this earth with the glory of God. We've been placed on mission to go do that. We're not called to be a holy huddle of people who just gather on a Sunday morning and do nothing with it. We're called to be a people who walk out of these doors and go fill the earth. Let's keep going. He's not done yet. There's a second part to this command in verse 28. He says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And then he says this, what do we do once we've filled it? We're going to subdue it and we're going to have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and every living thing that moves on the earth. We need to understand that it's not just about us leading other people and it's not about us just putting on a display and reflecting God's glory and filling the earth with disciples, but it is about us leading See, the command to Adam and Eve was simple. I've given you this creation. I've given you this garden to care for. And all of the animals and the plant life that is inside of that garden, it is your responsibility to lead it, to subdue it, to have dominion over it. You're the top tier. You're at the top of the food chain. But make sure you care for everything that's underneath it. Do you know what that is? That's a leader. A leader is somebody who cares for the people behind them. A leader is somebody who looks and goes, yeah, I might be at the top of the chain, but it's not about me. It's about everything below me, and I'm gonna lead these things to give God glory. I'm gonna lead these people to give God glory. And so when we get to this commandment, the commandment is, yes, we're gonna have dominion over all these things. We still see that today. We don't see bears going out in the woods and creating houses and going and becoming accountants, okay? Like we have, we have a special ability in us that God has blessed us with that we can subdue and have dominion over those things. But it's not just about having dominion over those things, it's about leading. God has called every one of us in this world to lead something or someone. You say, Chris, I'm not a leader. Yes, you are. If you're bearing the image of God this morning, you're a leader of something. Now, some of us lead more things than others. Some of us lead more people than others, but we all lead something. God's command is simple. Go do it well. Have dominion over it. Subdue the earth. Use it for what you need it for. He goes on and he says, hey, yeah, I've given you all these plants that you can eat from and the fruit that is yours to have. Like you can uh, eat off of these things. I've given you everything that you need and the resources of that. You're gonna have dominion over that, but you're gonna care for all of these things. We need to be a group of people who lead and care for this world. So what is our purpose? 
Simple. Reflect God's glory. You were made in his image. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth with disciples of Jesus who will follow him and give him more glory. Lead well. Subdue the earth. Have dominion over it. Care for the things that God has placed in your sphere of influence. Do it with excellence. Simple. The rest of it is just nuts and bolts. The rest of it's just details. The job you have, that's just one way that you fill the earth. That's just one way that you have dominion. That's just one way that you reflect God's glory. Doesn't matter what your job is. Teacher, accountant, pastor, garbage man, doesn't matter. Your job is still the same. Reflect God's glory. Fill this earth with people who are going to give God more glory. Subdue and lead. Have dominion. Doesn't matter what you do. It's just details. Doesn't matter what your family looks like. Your purpose is still the same. Doesn't matter what your past looked like. You weren't created in that image anyway. You were created in the image of God. Your purpose is still the same. The rest of it's just details. So this morning, I want to ask us, as we wrap up, just a, a question. How are we doing on that? <laughs> are you reflecting God's glory well? You know that you're made in his image, but have you really shown this world around you through your speech and your actions and the patterns of your life? Have you shown people around you God's glory? Have you filled this earth with disciples? Many of us will walk our entire spiritual walks and never share Jesus with anyone. We'll go years and decades without leading someone to Jesus Christ. I want to be super clear on this point real quick. It is not my job to fill this church. It's not my job to bring people into these pews. It is all of our jobs. It is all of our jobs to declare the goodness of God to people around us and to make disciples. If you're waiting on me to grow a church, it'll never happen. I can grow a few. I can get the people that are in my sphere of influence. But it works a whole lot better if you link arms with me and let's go do it together. Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. How are you doing on that? When's the last time you shared your faith? When's the last time you sat down with somebody and said, hey, let me walk through life with you? Let me teach you some scripture. Let me mentor you and display what, what God has taught me. And then how are you leading? How are you leading the people that God has placed in your life? Are you caring for them? Are you ensuring that that garden that God has placed you in is beautiful and blossoming? Or have you let the weeds grow up? Have you stopped leading and stopped laboring and stopped working? It's time to pick up the tools that God has given you and to get back to work. Next week, we're going to see what happens to this purpose that God has given us. We're going to see that in the fall of man, all of these things we've talked about in Genesis 1 get distorted. It's not just as simple as Eve ate an apple or a pomegranate or whichever one you like to think of. And then, oops, they got kicked out of the garden. It's much more complicated than that. It's that everything God had created was distorted. We'll save that for next week, though. This week, 
How are you doing? What's the checkup? I want to pray for us. Um, I'm going to ask as we, as we close in prayer today, there's one family I want to encourage you to remember uh, in your prayers. Um, got a message the other day, um, Welford Crow and, and Joyce, y'all remember them uh, from our traditional congregation prior to the merger. Um, Welford's um, sister, Kay Crowbane, her husband, I know that's a lot of connections, it's Welford's brother-in-law, is not doing well. Um, he's in the hospital. Uh, he had a hernia that had some complications. He aspirated. Uh, his lungs are now infected. He's not doing well. He's on a ventilator, um, and we've been asked to pray for them. And so this morning, uh, as we pray over what we've heard this morning, would y'all also remember that family as we pray? Let's pray together. Father God, we are humbled at what you have created. As we look around this world and we see your creativity and the, the amazing things that you just spoke and it was there. God, we thank you for that. But God, we are most humbled by the fact that this morning we understand that we weren't created to re reproduce after our own kind, but Father, we were created in the image of God that we weren't just something that you just dreamed up or imagined, but Father, you crafted us to be like you, to display your character and to show your patterns and to, to teach a world about what it looks like to follow you. And so, God, we are thankful that you have placed that responsibility on us, God. We are humbled, Father, by that to understand that you didn't do that for any other part of your creation, just us. But God, that's a big task to bear. That's a, a big purpose to have, Father. But we ask this morning that you would help us to fulfill that purpose, God, that, that if there's anything in us, God, that is not reflecting your glory, God, if there's an addiction that's in our lives that doesn't reflect your glory, that, that's not showing people the image of God, I pray this morning that you would break that addiction in someone's life this morning. God, if there's a pattern that's in our lives, a pattern of anger or a, a pattern of, 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 uh, of lying or deceiving, Father, if there's a, a pattern of, of not seeking after you or, or following your commands, God, if there's anything in us that doesn't look like you, God, this morning I pray that you would just show us those things and allow us to lay it at the altar this morning that we would reflect your glory more and better to the people around us. God, I, I pray that you would help us to fill this earth with disciples. God, I maybe we're walking in today, maybe just convicted over the fact that it's been a while since we've shared our faith. We've let the professionals do that. We pay a pastor to do that. We, we, we have a church staff that takes care of making disciples. We don't need to necessarily be the ones actually doing that. God, I pray that you would break us of that if that's our mindset. God, I pray that you would set us free from that bondage because that's not what your word teaches us. We are to all be people who make disciples. So God, show us how we can do that. Teach us what it looks like to, to, to fill this earth with disciples, to fill this earth with people who are gonna give you the glory you deserve. And God, maybe we haven't cared for our garden very well. Maybe, Father, you've given us some people and some things that you've asked us to, sub, us to subdue and have dominion over to care for it and to, to ensure that it's taken taken care of properly, Father, maybe we've let the weeds grow up. Maybe we uh, got a little lazy in some areas, Father, and we've, we've stopped caring for the people that are around us the way that we know we should. 
God, convict us of that this morning. Show us that this morning because we don't want to live that life anymore. We don't want to be that kind of people anymore, Father. We want to be a people who live into the purposes that you gave to Adam and Eve because of the same purposes that you give to us today. We want to give you as much glory as possible and put you at the centerpiece of your own story. So God, show us how to do that best. If there's anything that we need to deal with, God, I just pray that we would, we would do business. Send your spirit, God. Sweep across our hearts. Convict us. Challenge us. Stretch us. Show us where we can take another step. God, I do lift up the Bain family, Father, for Danny Bain. I just pray that you would look after him in this situation and for Kay, Father, especially as she watches her husband just kind of slowly fading away. And God, I just ask that, that you would give her a peace today, God, that passes all understanding. Pray that she would feel the comfort of the Holy Spirit in her life, God, that there would be no pain in her heart towards this, that, that she would, as she walks through this situation, that, that her and the whole family, God, that they would just give you glory that they would trust you, that they would reflect your character to the doctors and the nurses, that they would show these people around them what it looks like to trust a God who loves his creation. Father, be with us this morning and show us what you need us to do. I'm going to stand over here on the Oregon side this morning. If you need to pray with me at all, you are welcome to come down and pray with me. If you want to come to the altar, it's open. You can pray there. If you want to pray where you're at, I'd encourage you to do that. Let me push you a little bit this morning on some things. Maybe there's somebody in the room that you feel like you need to pray with. You're not strapped to a pew this morning. Nothing's holding you where you are. If you want to move, if you want to put your arm around somebody, if you want to pray with them, maybe you know they're going through something and you just want to display some love this morning, the character of God to somebody today. Move. Go do what you need to do. Nobody's going to cut an evil glance at you, I promise. Do what you need to do.